Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Parents, you play a huge role in your kids' lives. Huge role in your children's life. When I was five years old, my parents brought me to church way too many times a week. We went Sunday morning, we went Sunday night, we went Wednesday, we spent New Year's Eve while we slept underneath the pews with itchy pants on. You remember those pants back in the day? But I will say this. As much as I dread it, I remember being like five years old, having a call to the ministry at five years old, five years old. And I ran for my call. I ran from my call for the next many, many years. But because of the faithfulness of my parents, I had the opportunity to engage in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. The most important the most important thing you can do, and now I'm going to frustrate people right now, and I ain't going to apologize. The most important thing you can do is engage your things in the things of God. It's more important than baseball. Do I get an amen? Amen. Not everybody said amen. It's more important than hockey. Amen. It's more important than soccer. Amen. It's more important than dance. Amen. It's even more important than their academics. Yeah, not too many people said that. Welcome to Bergen County. It's true, though. It's true. It's true. The most important thing you can do is train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old or older, they will return. Amen. Thank you. There's a truth there. And for us... One of the most important aspects of our church is our kids' ministry. Do not, do not be that parent who looks back and regrets what you should have done with the things of God. I beg you, do not look back and regret the things that you should have done for the, in the, with the things of God in your children's life. They're going to hate church. Do I get an Amen. Come on, I'm walking around now. They're going to get frustrated at youth group. Do I get an amen? Amen. They're going to be certain things they're not going to want to do. Amen? Amen. But I swear on everything good and holy, they will thank you. They will thank you. And there has to be a point in church history that now is the time that we activate the Holy Spirit in our children's life. Because we are losing a whole generation. And I don't mean the young generation. I mean this whole generation of people is becoming lost. Because we've lost the importance of the things of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I just ask you for grace. God, today's a big day. It's Pentecost. And God, I think we've really, we've really lost the importance of significant moments. Lord, I know when my children have birthdays, we celebrate. I know when there's holidays, we celebrate. 
And Pentecost is a holiday. It's so much more than we could ever realize. And I ask you that even now, as we prepare for tonight, that you would allow us to begin this day with the things of God so that our hearts would be turned to you and you only. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I remember when I was a little kid, back in the day, we do know that uh, you know, going into space was a norm, whether it be you know, the whole idea of the rocket ship and then the space shuttle, and then the space shuttle became the norm. I remember being a little kid and watching it on TV and, and seeing it time and time again. And I always remember, and this is the part of the movies that we always have watched. Even if you've seen Top Gun. Anyone seen Top Gun yet? Right? It is so good. It's awesome. It's awesome. Christine, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. But it's one of those things, like, they're all ready to go. It's like the engines are turned on, click, click. And then someone's up in the control station ready to go. And it's like three, click, two, click. And then all of a sudden, one click and the something takes off. And you're just like, yeah, something was activated. Something was turned on. Something was positioned right. And at the perfect, perfect time, the engine and the throttle and the thrust pushed that plane or that rocket into the atmosphere. And so that's much like the Holy Spirit. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. And what we're going to do this morning, this Pentecost morning, and I want to challenge you to come back tonight. Tonight's going to be a very important night. It's kind of part two to this morning. But what we're going to look at right now is that God's timing is always perfect. Even when you think it's not, God's timing is always perfect. And the one thing that I've learned on my journey of faith, and I say this extremely humbling, humbly, God's timing is always perfect. And so, there's a day that God's timing was more perfect than ever for the early church. And it's a day that we need to stop and remember and as we look at this passage today, I want you to ask yourself, am I positioning myself for God's perfect timing? But because you are here this morning, God's timing is perfect in this day. And so, open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. This is what it says. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers, all those who were following the way of Jesus, were meeting together in one place. Now, we're going to get to the point why they were all meeting together but here's what you need to understand. Why did the author Luke talk about this specific day called Pentecost? Because there's a historical moment, both for the early church, right? We are part of the early church, but for historical Judaism. Historical Judaism. You see, what Pentecost was, was another name for the Feast of Weeks. They celebrated Shabbat. 
Shabbat. And what they were doing was, they would, this was one of three major pilgrimages to Jerusalem every single year to celebrate the celebration of harvest. What do I mean by that? God always provided for the people of Israel. He never left them out to dry. He always made sure that they had food, that they had water, that they had provision. And matter of fact, he provided with abundance as much as they could eat, as much as they could drink. And it was this whole idea, give us this day our daily bread. And so when you study Exodus and you study the history of the Jewish people, God always had perfect provision at the perfect timing. And so Shabbat was 50 days after the first day of Passover. So they journeyed to Jerusalem and they would leave and then they would go to another pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate all that God had done and is continually doing. So why is this important? Because oftentimes we think that God is sporadic, that God just kind of shows up and does whatever he wants whenever he wants. I will say this, when I study scripture, God is a God of perfect timing and calculation. And so when you look at this whole idea of what was taking place, there was something so much deeper going on. People from all over the world, and we're going to look at this in just a couple minutes, Jewish people from all over the world were gathered in the perfect place, the holy city of David. So whenever you think about Jerusalem, think about it this way. So what was Jerusalem? The holy city of David, the holy city of God, where he was establishing a kingdom that temporarily looked like one of this earth, but as a representation of the kingdom of heaven. And whenever there was a big celebration, everybody would go to Jerusalem. And so there was a positioning. There was a positioning. Let me ask you, have you ever looked at your life and said, wow, there's a whole lot more symbolism going on in my life than I could ever, ever realize? And oftentimes, too much do not really identify and recognize and pull this all together, right? Right? I can give you stories after stories of my life. Our life, we just celebrated 25 years this past week. That's a long time to be married. And I see how God's significance was always showing up in his perfect timing, in his perfect way. So, historically, understand this. Pentecost was not a New Testament phenomenon. It wasn't. It was a biblical gathering and celebration of what the people of God had done for centuries. And so they were all gathered. But the disciples, those who were 
followers of Christ were all gathered in a room worshiping and praying and fasting for a very specific reason. Let's see what it says. Acts chapter 1. All you need to do is either flip your screen or turn your one page, and it says this. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Now stop right there. For seven weeks we've been pushing on this. What is the gift from Jesus? The Holy Spirit. And if you don't know that and you've been here for one of the last seven weeks, you definitely haven't been listening. The Holy Spirit. Jesus said, Jesus said in John chapter 14, I have to leave you because when I leave you, I'm giving you the perfect gift. And like, Jesus, you're the perfect gift. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you the gift that lives in me, that which was promised by the prophets of old. I mean, think about this. Think about what it says in Ezekiel 36, 27. And I will pour my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Look what it says in Joel chapter 2. Then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. All people. All people. Some people, no. All people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. Amen. Parents, do you realize your kids, if and when they have Jesus, they are given the same Holy Spirit that lives in you. And so, Joel says, your little ones will have dreams. They will prophesy. Have you made space in your household for your children to prophesy? Have you? Have your children, and maybe never said, I'm going to prophesy, thus says the Lord, I'm four years old. No. Have your children ever spoken real truth into your life? Have they? Have your children ever said, hey, Dad, Mom, something's on the horizon. What do you mean? I'm, I'm telling you, if something doesn't shift here, this is what my kids said. If something's not shifting down here, I'm telling you right now, God's shifting something up there. So one of my children told us. They told us. They said, if something's not shifting down here, get ready. There's something shifting up there. I'm like, woo, come on. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. I remember when one of my children in junior high was going through a really tough time. And I had to lean in harder with the things of Jesus than ever before. And God shifted their hearts. And I kid you not, I swear on everything good and holy. Sue, come here. My son... He and I were praying together, and mom's like, what are you doing in the basement? I said, we're praying together. And he came up to my wife, and he started giving her a word of prophecy. He actually spoke in tongues. And I never once told him about tongues. 
And the Spirit of God fell on one of my children. He started speaking in tongues. I'm like, holy shnikes. <laughs> so did I. I was like, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. And, and he literally, literally gave Sue a word of prophecy. Have we created space for our children to experience, not just learn about Jesus, but to experience Jesus? Because the world knows too much about Jesus. The problem is, and please give me a big amen, they've never experienced the presence of Jesus in their life. Because when you experience the presence of Jesus, everything changes. And so, the Holy Spirit was promised. Wait. Wait. He's coming. Wait. And in God's perfect timing, the Spirit of God will fall. And too much what we do is we rush the things of God. Timing is everything. I mean, think about when Jesus was crucified. Passover. Timing is everything. Think about when Jesus, when God set up this moment that his son was going to be the atonement for the sins, not of some, but for the world and for those who would receive him. Timing is everything. Passover. What was everyone doing in Jerusalem? They were bringing lambs and turtle doves and sheep and goats, whatever they could afford. They were bringing it to the temple that they can have an atonement for their sin. And God said, on this Passover, on this Passover, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world will be slaughtered for all of humanity. God's perfect timing. And then... And then, during the week of Shabbat, the week of feasts, the celebration of much, the celebration of God's provision, the celebration of all that God has done and is doing and will do, he says, now, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Think about that. 40 days apart. 40 days apart. You ever notice when you look at scripture, 40 days is very significant? Hmm. Can we go there? How many days was Noah on the ark? Right? 40 days and 40 nights. It's like some kind of Christian song to that or something like that, right? But seriously, think about that. When you look all throughout church history, God always used significant days repeatedly to do significant events. And for some reason, he had this number 40 in mind for it to happen again. And we say, God, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And so, on one day, he takes away the sin of humanity, rips it out of humanity, and on another day, he fills us with the very presence of God, the same presence that hovered over creation, the same presence that hovered over Mary so she could conceive Jesus, and now something profound is taking place. Jesus said, I've never come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. And what better way to fulfill the law than being the perfect sacrifice over Passover, and what better way to experience the fullness of God over Shabbat. And so we just think that this whole Pentecost is just this kind of 
New Testament phenomena. But people of God, let me tell you this. All of God's promises are yes and amen. Amen. If you wait, if you wait, if you wait, if God has said it, it settles it. But do you have the patience to allow the things of God to come to fruition? I look at our marriage. We work really hard at our, at our marriage. We work really hard. 25 years later, God has created this beautiful thing called Robin Soap. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk in what will not faint. Do we wait for the things of God? Acts chapter 2, verse 2 through 4. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of, or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So, as they were praying, as they were worshiping, all of a sudden, you ever been in church when a rainstorm comes, and all of a sudden you're like, and you do like the peak, the side peak, right? And you hear the rain, ba 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 right? All of a sudden they hear it, they feel it, and then all of a sudden, now it starts getting a little goofy. And yes, God does goofy things, Jonah in the whale, that's pretty weird, right? Right? Balaam in the donkey. Imagine getting rebuked by a donkey. Like, that's biblical. Imagine that. Imagine you're here at Abma's farm, and you're being a really bad parent, and the donkey's like, yo, cut it out. Cut it out. Imagine that. I mean, think about all the things. The handwriting on the wall. Imagine being, like, in the White House, and all of a sudden, things are going awry. Oh, yeah, they already are. And then the writing on the wall starts happening, like, what is happening? I mean, think about the parting of the Red Seas. God does wild things. And then all of a sudden, they're worshiping, and fire, 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 fire. What's he doing? Fire, fire. Fire just starts popping and popping going all over the place, on everybody's head. Mrs. You, boom, fire pops up, right? Everybody, James, fire pops up, right? All of a sudden, fire's popping up. And I bet you there was a real part of people that said, man, should we stop? Should we stop? Should we stop praying? Like, this is getting weird and wacky. Be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for. God changed my life. God, do a miracle. Do a miracle. God, get rid of my, my demons. Anyone want to get rid of their demons? Well, you know what we did a couple weeks ago? We got rid of a couple demons in people. That's weird. That doesn't happen anymore. Well, come to the plant office one day. And fire and wind started bouncing, and you start wondering, like, how did they handle this? Did they want to stop praying? And here's my big thing. Why are we so surprised when God does something awesome? Seriously, why are we surprised when God rescues a marriage? Why are we surprised? 
Why are we surprised when someone who's an addict is no longer an addict, but rather madly in love with Jesus? Why are we surprised? Why are we surprised when we hear about someone who's been healed? Why are we surprised? We have taken away the beauty of allowing God to surprise us. But they leaned in because they knew without Jesus, their lives were forever empty. And so they worshiped. Fire and wind, come and do it again. Right? Open up the gates, let the heaven on in. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you feel the room, right? You're here and I know you are moving. I'm here. And I know you are willing. And so all of a sudden they started speaking in other languages. Now, let's not confuse this with the language of prayer. It says, at that time there were devout Jews from every nation, every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. So those who lived in Jerusalem that had moved to Jerusalem from all over the world, it says all the nations were represented, all the nations. But then all their family members who traveled from those nations were in their houses. Here we are, Pantheans, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, these names are always so frustrating to read through, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. They heard their native language. It wasn't jibber-jabber. It wasn't shit about a Honda. It wasn't blah, 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 all these things that people joke around about tongues, things that we don't even understand or can't even whatever fathom. People were prophesying in all these different languages. All these different languages. Someone named their nationality. James Lee, what's your nationality? Taiwan. Taiwan. Taiwanese. Someone started speaking Taiwanese. What else? What's another language? What else? Italian. Someone started like, praying in Italian, right? What's another language? That's all we have represented in the room? Seriously? <laughs> Jesus. What's that? Spanish. Spanish. Thank you. What else? Any other? German. German. What else? Polish. Armenian, right? Imagine it's Polish, right? Imagine, out of nowhere, Omar Niebles, who is bilingual, starts speaking in Polish. Everyone would be like, what just happened? Right, But if everyone started pre preaching and prophesying in all these different languages, it would be a wow moment. A wow moment. And all these people start coming and seeing. What's happening? I I'm hearing good news. I'm hearing a gospel message. 
I'm hearing about the Messiah, the Savior of the world. This is why we're in Jerusalem. Passover, 40 days earlier, he was not only crucified, but he was resurrected from the grave. And they're hearing the gospel message from all of these different languages. It was not jibber-jabber. And yes, there is a heavenly prayer language that we cannot understand. But in this situation, it was languages from out all over the world, from every nation, every tribe, because the gospel is for all. Amen? Amen. All. Not some, not a part, not a group, but for every single person. Jesus is inclusive. Meaning this, he came for all. But he's exclusive, meaning he's the only way to the Father. The only way. Why would you sacrifice your son for many different roads leading up some mountain? God said, I love you so much, I'm giving my one and only. And the good news is preached. And all of a sudden, people needed to come see. People needed to hear. And people responded. Because deep down, when you give people the good news of Jesus, not, not this, this modern-day Christianity that, that we're messing with, when we go back to Scripture and we talk about who Jesus is, that's what people need. Need. And in their need, they want. And people came, and they saw, and they responded. But, look what it says in verse 13. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. They're just drunk. So what does it mean? When people are drunk, what are you thinking they mean? I mean, think about this. They didn't say, like, oh, they're just being rambunctious. Oh, they're just being loud. Oh, they're just being chaotic. Oh, it's just those upper room people again. No, this is what they meant. Because some are like, I don't know what it means to be drunk. I'm like, Lord, we need to pray for these people because they're all lying. <laughs> right? They were being rambunctious. They were being loud. They were being overly excited. And nothing could quiet them. They were uncontrollable. But they were uncontrollable in a good way. But for some, they looked at what they were doing was chaotic. Was what they were not comfortable with. People of God, if you are too comfortable in your Christianity, you probably need to go back to your prayer closet and say, God, where do I need to become uncomfortable? Seriously, I really mean that. And they literally became haters. Haters are going to hate, right? And what does that phrase mean? Haters are going to hate. You're going to have your critics. You're going to have people that purposely, purposely are uncomfortable with the work of God in your life. There are going to be people in your world, in our world, in our society, when we talk about the realness of God, they want nothing to do with it. And haters are going to hate. Because they're ignorant. 
or jealous or have been living in such a place of pain and negativity that they're not open to the things of God. But that does not dismiss what was happening on Pentecost. Amen? Amen. When you see the work of God in someone's life, just because you're going to have haters out there does not dismiss the things that God is doing. Right? If you've ever had a real transformational situation in your life, there are going to be haters in your life. They're going to wait till you fall. They're going to wait to see something go wrong. I told you it was a phase. I told you it was just excitement. It was just a being really, really emotional. We knew this would probably happen at some stage in his life, and then, then they'll walk away from it. But that's not true. That's not true. The things of the Holy Spirit should be so powerful in our life that they radically change our life. Yes. The spiritual dead should become spiritually alive. The spiritual, spiritually blind should be able to spiritually see. The most angry people in the world can become the most loving people in the world. When the things of God and the Spirit of God lands on you and falls on you, he can do everything that you dreamed was possible and more. And more. You want to give up your habits? Give them to him. He'll take them away. You want to give up your addictions? You hand them over to him and he will take them away. You want to have a healthy marriage? You give him your marriage, and it will become healthy when you align yourself with the things of God. You want to be successful in the things that God wants you to be successful, and maybe not what you want to be successful in. I'm telling you, it will happen. Are you aligning yourself like the church of old, where you are waiting on God's perfect timing to do God's perfect work in your life that he created in his perfect timing. That's Pentecost. That's Pentecost. Pentecost is allowing the Spirit of God to do whatever the Spirit of God wants to do in us that he planned at the beginning of creation. You were more than a thought to God. You are more than just a creation that he made that you're supposed to wander around lost and dismayed. Everything you do, God wants you to be able to see him in it. Either celebrating his blessings or situations that call you back to him. I love how the Spirit of God falls on different people. I love it. I love it. I wasn't born to a pastor and a pastor's wife. I was born to a businessman who worked in Manhattan. I had my struggles. I had my stuff. But the Holy Spirit had something so much better. And he has something so much better for you. God's timing is perfect. Pentecost, God's perfect timing. 
right? Jesus being sacrificed, God's perfect timing. You being here this morning, God's perfect timing. Joe Chinisi, when he joined Rotary in Allendale, where he met Omar Niebles, God's perfect timing. Seriously, right? Reagan being friends with Kathy and God's perfect timing, right? Right? Mike Monforth. And myself, we went to high school together. We were not followers of Jesus, but God's perfect timing. I found Jesus, he found Jesus, and now we're walking through life together. God's perfect timing. It's not a bunch of puzzle pieces thrown on the ground. It's a bunch of puzzle pieces that the devil threw on the ground, and he said, and God said, let's put this back together in the perfect way. Amen. God's perfect timing. God's perfect timing. And Aston is really excited this morning. I love it, man. I love it. But it's more than just God's perfect timing. It's God's Spirit's perfect timing. God's Spirit's perfect timing. Why is it that for so long you pushed off the things of God? And then all of a sudden it just clicked. You weren't ready. You weren't ready. You weren't in that place. Well, I should have been. Yeah, you should have been. So should have I, right? You know how many times? You know how many times how many, how many dumb things that could have been devastating to myself? But God's perfect timing with God's perfect spirit brings spiritual life. Empowered no longer to be controlled by sin and grave circumstances. And equipped to know that we are sons and daughters of God. The Spirit's perfect timing brings spiritual life, brings spiritual breakthrough that you no longer have to be controlled by the power of sin and death, but you can be filled with him in such a way that you get to experience the fullness of life for why you were created. You will never know God's plan unless you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Seriously, you will never know the fullness of life. You could read your Bible all day long, but if you don't allow the Spirit of God to transform you through the reading of the Word, it's going to be like reading a basic novel. Jesus, he said, I have to leave you. I have to. So everyone can have the same spirit that lives in me, can live in them. Because it's God's spirit, his perfect spirit, that gives us spiritual life. When we were born into spiritual death. You can't tell me he can't do it again. The best is yet to come. Because when the disciples hung out with Jesus, they said, this is our heyday. And then Jesus leaves. And Jesus says, now the heyday begins. Tonight, we're not doing this this morning. Because it's not God's timing this morning. Tonight, we're going to have a worship service. And we are going to do an encounter night. Where we are going to pray the Holy Spirit upon people. 
We are going to pray for healing. We're going to pray for deliverance. We're going to pray for that next filling for people. We are going to pray that God shows up in ways that we have been longing for to happen in people's lives. And I want to challenge you. Make tonight your Pentecost Sunday. Well, we want it now, Rob. No. No. You can go home and ask for it, and he can give it to you, but God wants you to come back because he wants to do something significant in our church together. So what are you saying? I'm saying come back tonight. The same thing that the Holy Spirit's doing in you, he wants to do even deeper. Well, that doesn't sound really biblical. Did you ever read Pentecost? Did you ever read Pentecost? And so, whatever God's doing in you, tonight I want to invite you back for him to do even more. Amen? Amen? Amen. Anyone uncomfortable with that? If you are, good. Good. Because he's made me very uncomfortable on this journey of faith. Let's pray together. Father God, there have been multiple times in my life when I've needed Pentecost moments. And God, I remember multiple times when your perfect timing through your perfect spirit activated a new season of my life. And that's what we are expecting you to do today. That you are activating a new season in our Activate, Holy Spirit. Do what you did in the apostles, in us. Do what you did in the Old Testament through people like David and Deborah and Esther and Moses and Abraham and Sarah. Do what you did in Mary and the other Mary, and the other Mary, and Martha, that you did, and Peter, James, Matthias, Barnabas. God, we want more. And so today, on this day of Pentecost, we want more. We want more. I need more. I need more for 25 more years of marriage. I need more for the next season of my parenting. I need more for what you are going to do in the next couple days. I need more. We need more. And all good and perfect gifts come from above. Let's pray. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.